You're listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this word and impact your life for His glory. I'd like to extend my welcome to you, particularly if you are here visiting us today, if you're here supporting somebody being baptized, a special warm welcome to you. If maybe you're one of our children and you're normally in little treasures or treasure kids and you're here in the service, if that's you and you're normally out of the service, would you just give me a wave where you are? Our kids, I wonder, can we welcome our children to this part of our service? Great to have you in. Today, also do want to let you know we have got our parent and baby room open. Any under twos that become restless, as usual downstairs, feel free to head out with them at any time during our service if you want to do that. Wow. Well, I also want to uh, add my congratulations to those who've taken the step to be baptized today. Wasn't that so good to see the videos and hear a little bit of people's story and see the transforming power of Jesus at work in people's hearts and lives. Well, for a few minutes today, we're going to look at some verses in Romans, the book of Romans in the New Testament, chapter 5, verses 1 and 2 and 6 and 8. They're going to come up on the screen, but if you've got a Bible and you're turning there, Romans 5, 1 to 2 and 6 to 8. This is what the Bible says for us. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. You know, I know sometimes we can read verses from the Bible and they can wash over us, but let's just take a moment here. This is what the Bible says, that we have been justified through faith, that not through anything that we've done of our own volition, but because of Jesus and our faith in Him, we stand justified and we have peace with God through Jesus through whom we have gained access. Can we all say gained access? We have gained access. I don't know whether you've ever wanted to gain access and access has been denied. I, when I was a teenager, uh, I don't know what happened to me, but adolescence hit my world about five years later than it should have done. So I was about 17 years old and I looked about 12. And I can remember when I turned 18, I tried to go some places with my friends, but access was denied. And I had to go home and get my birth certificate. And even so, the people on the door were looking at it and looking at me and going, something's wrong here. This doesn't quite work. Why is this little boy saying that he's 18? But then, when I was about 18 and a half, something happened and puberty hit my world about five years later than it should have done. And I became a man. Thanks be to God. But we have been given access, is what the Bible says, through whom we have gained access into His grace. If you know that you've gained access into His grace, just raise your hand with me and say, thanks be to God. You know, what a wonderful thing that we've gained access into His grace in which we now stand. And Romans goes on to say this in verse 6, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, can we say while we were still sinners? Christ died for us. This is the demonstration 
of the love of God. We've just been singing about the reckless love of God. Not that God has been careless. God is not careless. But He has so laid out His love. He's not waited to see whether we might respond to it. He has laid it all out there. And the title of my message today is, It's Your Move. It's Your Move. I wonder if you could turn to the person next to you and say, It's Your Move. You know, sometimes I think we can, we can somehow think that it's God's turn to do something. And what we find is that whatever God needed to do, He's already done. And actually, it's our move. The ball is in our court. That God is looking for us to respond in some way. How wonderful today, the four people getting baptized, they made a move. They understood it was their move. It didn't need God to get baptized. It needed them to get baptized. You know, they were responding to something that God had already done in their lives. Nobody on their video said, you know, I'm getting baptized in the hopes that God is going to love me because I've done it. They were all saying in some way, this is a response to God. I make a decision. I, I'm taking a step. I, I want to be obedient. I, I want to enter in in response to what God has already done. You know, I want to say to you today, it's your move. It's your move. You know, I don't know if you've ever played a game and uh, someone's lost concentration, maybe a board game or something like that, and someone's lost concentration and everyone's waiting for them to have their move and, and they're waiting for somebody else. And what happens is that it grinds to a halt and then everyone else turns to the person and says, uh, Bob, it's your turn or it's your go or it's your move. It's like, wake up, come on, it's, it's your move. And sometimes that can happen in our spiritual walk. It's like we're waiting for something to happen, but it's us who needs to make a move. Jonathan, last week, speaking from the great story in 1 Samuel of Jonathan and his armor bearer, helped us understand that to be audacious, we have to make a move. You see, Jonathan had grasped already that God loved Israel, that God loved his nation, that God was with them, and therefore he's able to say, you know, God is able to say, whether by many or by few, you know, perhaps... Maybe we can go up. Let's just make a move and see what God will do because he's already shown us that he loves us. If you're playing a game of chess, you, you might make your move and then it passes to the other side. Uh, I wonder today, just to illustrate this a little bit further, whether we could have two volunteers. Have we got anyone here who would, maybe a young person who would like to volunteer? Okay, well, why don't... You two on the back who've got your hands high. Why don't you both come forward? Can we give these young people a, a big round of applause? Yeah, come all the way up. I'm going to need you up here with me. So come quick as you can. Let's keep the applause going. Awesome. Okay, what's your name? Cristiano. Cristiano, as in the famous footballer. No, as in you. Yes, awesome, all right for me and you face that way. What's your name? Michaela. Michaela. Now, Michaela, I'm going to ask you to come and stand here. And f Is this your brother? Your cousin. Awesome. And how old are you? Seven. And how old are you? Eight. Okay. Here we go. Right. Here's the game. What you've got to do is, uh, Cristiano, you've got to throw the ball to Michaela and she's got to catch it. And, uh, and then she's going to throw it back. Let's just have a little practice of that. Well done. And see if you throw it back to him. Okay. 
But here's the thing, right? I, I'm going to go in the middle now. And what you've got to do, you've got to throw it to her. You've got to get it as close to my head as you can without touching my head. If the ball touches my head, you're out, okay? But the winner is the one that gets the ball the closest to my head. So you've got to be quite brave. Okay, so Cristiano, you go first. Here we go, Michaela. So it's your turn now from there. Throw it back close as you can to my head. Whoa! That felt like that was a bit closer, right? We're about the same, about the same. Well done. There's only a few thousand pounds worth of equipment on the stage. We'll be, we'll be fine. Okay, Michaela, as close as you can to my head without hitting it. Oh. About the same? Well, Christiana's in the lead. I'm, I'm hearing. Okay, what, one more go. Okay, now stop right there. Okay, whose go is it right now? Michaela's. How do you know it's Michaela's? Because she's got the ball, right? And we also know it's Michaela's because Cristiano made the last move, right? So it passes over. So, so who's, who's in the lead at the moment? Cristiano. Okay. Well, I, I, do you want one last go? And if you get it closer to my head, you keep the ball. If not, he keeps the ball. But if you hit my head, he gets the ball. <laughs> Just go for it. Just give it your best shot. Just point for me if you think it's with Cristiano or if you think it's this way. Oh, uh, we're not going to keep playing all day. Uh, uh, I've only got the one ball. I, I'm really, I, I'm in a predicament here. Um, sudden death. Okay, right. You got to go closer. You got to go closer. Come on, Michaela. One more go each. Okay, Cristiano, you get to keep the ball, but a big hand for Michaela as well. Give me a high five. Okay, off you go. Well done, guys. Hey, didn't they do great? I got hit on the head in the first service. I was kind of hoping it might happen. But you know, the thing is that that we know in life certain things can happen and we know the ball's in our court. We, we maybe get an invitation and there's an RSP, RSVP that the... The move is ours to make. We have to say, am I going to come and am I not going to come? And here the Bible says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, God didn't wait for us to sort our lives out. God didn't wait for us to, to get on track with him. He has already made his move. This is the love of God. This is the message of the gospel. This is the incredibly powerful words that we find in the Bible, that God has demonstrated His love for us. You know, sometimes we can think if we stop sinning, if we come to church, if we start praying, then God will love us. But the truth is, God has already made His move. You know, all these things can and should become part of our lives as we try and walk with God, as we try and live for God. But they won't cause God to love us any more than He already does. You know, the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I don't know about you, but I know that rules me in. 
I know in honesty that rules all of us in, for all of us have fallen short of God's standard. There's not one person that has ever lived that has lived up to the standard of God. In our thoughts, in our words, in our deeds, somehow, somewhere, no matter how we might have tried, we haven't lived up to the perfection that is God Himself. In fact, just before these words in Romans 5, in chapter 3, Paul writes and he says, No one is righteous, not even one. And goes on to say, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You know, I think before I understood the message of the gospel and became a Christian, I, I think I thought that good people went to heaven and bad people didn't. You know, maybe good people went to heaven and bad people went to hell. And it sounded reasonable to me. You know, if you take a good life, consider a good person, a loving person, a compassionate person, someone maybe like Mother Teresa, it stands to reason that she would make it to heaven. We would all want that for her. And it might stand to reason that somebody that is wicked and has worked out evil in their lives and has been a mass murderer or something, that they wouldn't make it. But you know what? That doesn't make any logical sense because although it works at the extremes, it doesn't work in the middle. Because the truth is most of us in the room are somewhere in the middle. And what that would mean is that somewhere in the middle, God has to make a cut. That two people of the, the billions that have lived, two people who've lived incredibly similar lives, one of them makes it and one of them doesn't. This is what that logic says, but this is not the message of the Bible, thanks be to God. Let me illustrate it and suggest that two people that have lived incredibly similar lives, one's called John and one's called Josh. You see, John was generally a decent guy. He he got married at the age of 24. He had three kids. He was a good husband and a good dad. He worked hard. He was generous. He was kind to old people. He went to church at Christmas. He nursed his wife when she became ill in old age. But he wasn't the whole package. He didn't get everything right. And he made a few mistakes. And, you know, he swore like a trooper. He fiddled his tax returns seven times. He told quite a lot of lies. One time he, he ran over the neighbor's cat by mistake and killed it uh, and never owned up to the neighbor that it was him. Buried the cat in the garden and, and never said anything about it. And when he was eight years old, he went to his corner shop and he stole a Mars bar. And can you imagine at the end of his life, he stands before God and God has to judge a life. How do you judge a life? And God, imagine if this was the logic, he looks at John and says, oh, John, John. I love you. I, I want to invite you in, but I can't just let anybody in. It, oh, it's, it's difficult because you've done some good, but you've not done everything right. And imagine God says, but, but I love you, so I'm, I'm going to let you in. But imagine next in the line, there's Josh. And, and Josh, although they've never met, have lived very similar lives. He got married at 24. He had three kids. He was a good guy. He worked hard. He nursed his wife in, in her old age and you know, he, he was generous also, and he was kind to old people. But he also swore like a trooper. He also filled his tax returns. He also ran over his neighbor's cat and never fessed up and buried it in the garden. And he lied a lot, and, you know, he wasn't the real deal. But when he was eight years old, he went to his corner shop, and he not only stole a Mars bar, he also stole a Curly Whirly. And God's got to draw the line somewhere, Right? He can't just let anybody in. And can you imagine God balances this up and he remembers John, but as he looks at it, he says, I've got to draw the line somewhere. I'm sorry, Josh, you've not made it. Wouldn't that be ridiculous? 
Wouldn't that be absurd? And yet this is what the logic says. But the Bible says, you know, it's not based on deeds. It's not based on our lives. It's based on the grace of Jesus. That the truth is, every single one of us is in need of the grace of God. That every single one of us has fallen short of God's standard. But while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That on the cross, when Jesus laid down his life, he hung there on the cross, nailed to the cross, and took upon himself, the Bible says, the sins of the world. That's your sin. That's my sin. That's John's sin. That's Josh's sin. That's everybody's sin and shame. Why? In order that we might know the grace of God. If only we will respond. You see, God has made his move. But the time has come for us to make our move. The time has come for us to respond to the grace of God, to understand God has already made his move for you. While you were still a sinner, the word sin, it's, a, it's an archer, archery term, and it, it means to miss the target. It's like if you fire an arrow in archery and it goes past the target, that's a sin, it's a miss. And we've all missed, but, but for the misses in our lives, Jesus has died on the cross. He's made his move for you. When I was 17 years old, I, I came to believe that this was true. I came to believe that the God who created the heavens and the earth sent his son to die in my place. That although I'd fallen short of his standard, that he'd already made his move 2,000 years ago, way before I needed it, he was already there and already made his move and he was waiting for me to make my move. And at the age of 17, I remember responding to a message, responding in church to a message on the cross. I remember coming down the front of a church service and praying a prayer and giving my life to Jesus and deciding that I needed to make my move. And let me tell you, it's the best thing that I ever did. And I don't know, maybe there's some people here today, maybe you've been coming to church for a while, but maybe you've never made your move. Maybe you've never responded to the message of the cross. Maybe you've never responded to the love of God. God has demonstrated his love for you in this, that right now, Christ has already died for you. Lamar, why don't you come? You know, I, I love the story of John Wimber, the great Christian leader, who talks about him coming to a place of needing to make his move. He says this, After I'd studied the Bible for about three months, I could have passed an elementary exam on the cross. I understood there is one God who could be known in three persons. I understood Jesus is fully God and fully man. And he died on the cross for the sins of the world. But I didn't understand that I was a sinner. I thought I was a good guy. I knew I'd messed up here and there, but I didn't realize how serious my condition was. But one evening around this time, Carol, my wife, said, I think it's time to do something about all we've been learning. And then as I looked on in utter amazement, she knelt down on the floor and started praying to what seemed to me to be the ceiling plaster. Oh God, she said, I'm very sorry for my sin. You know, I couldn't believe it. Carol was a better person than I was, yet she thought she was a sinner. I could feel her pain and the depth of her prayers. She was weeping and repeating. I'm sorry for my sin. There were about six or seven people in the room all with their eyes closed and I looked at them and then it hit me. They've all prayed this prayer too. And I started sweating bullets. I thought I was going to die. The perspiration ran down my face and I thought, I'm not going to do this. This is stupid. I'm a good guy. But then it struck me Carol wasn't praying to the plaster. She was praying to a person, to a God who could hear her 
in comparison to him. She knew she was a sinner in need of forgiveness. In a flash, the cross made personal sense to me. Suddenly I knew something I'd never known before, that I'd hurt God's feelings, that he loved me, and in his love for me, he'd sent Jesus. But I turned away from that love. I'd shunned it all of my life. I was a sinner desperately in need of the cross. Then I too was kneeling on the floor, sobbing, nose running, eyes watering, every square inch of my flesh perspiring. I had this overwhelming sense that I was talking to someone who'd been with me my whole life, but whom I had failed to recognize. Like Carol, I began talking to the living God, telling him that I was a sinner, but the only words I could say out loud were, oh God, oh God. But then I knew something revolutionary was happening on the inside of me. I thought, I hope this works because I'm making a complete fool of myself. Then the Lord brought to mind a man I had seen in Pershing Square in Los Angeles a number of years earlier. He was wearing a sign that said, I'm a fool for Christ, whose fool are you? I thought at the time that's the most stupid thing I've ever seen. But as I knelt on the floor, I realized the truth of the odd sign. The cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. That night, I knelt at the cross and I believed in Jesus. You know, it's not his move. It's our move. And one of the most famous sermons in the Bible, Peter shared a similar message even to this. And at the end of it, it said his hearers were cut to the heart and they said, what should we do? What they were asking is, what's our move? What's our response? We understand that Jesus has died for us, but what should we do? And Peter answered them and he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins. We've seen some people be baptized today, but the starting point is to repent. To repent means to turn around. Our move is to turn around. Our move is to understand that God loves us with an everlasting love. That he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, to take our sin and our shame, to die as it were in our place. And our move is to repent, to respond, to say, I'm going to accept this message I'm going to make my move. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never repented. Maybe you've never responded to the love of God. Well, you can do here today. Maybe it's time for you to make a move, to say, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me while I was still a sinner. I turn from my old life, and I choose to live for you. For someone here today to... It's time to make a move. It's time to say yes to Jesus. It's time to respond. It's time to become a Christian. It's time to accept the love of God for you already demonstrated. It's time to respond to the message of the cross. You know, sometimes we can be waiting for something else to happen. And I was praying, I, I felt there are some people here today and you've been in and around church and it's like you're waiting for something else to happen. But I want to tell you today, it's no one else's move, it's your move. You might be waiting for something else to happen or to see something or know something, but you know enough the ball's in your court. And the challenge and the question is, will you respond to the love of God? Will you accept that you're a sinner in need of a Savior? At the age of 17, when I said yes, when I made my move, I, I didn't realize how significant a moment it was. I look back now and know it's the most important thing I ever did in my life. That from that moment on, a relationship with God was born on the inside of me and I came to know him and I came to know this truth 
that while I was still a sinner, Christ died for me. So I wonder across this room if we can pray, if we can maybe bow our heads and close our eyes. Because somebody needs to respond to this today. Somebody needs to make a move. There's someone in this hall today and you maybe didn't even plan on coming to church today. But you know it's time to say yes to Jesus. You know it's time to make your move. And in just a moment, I'm going to invite those who want to respond to simply do one thing and that's stand where you are. You see, I could ask you to pray in your heart, but when it's time to make a move, it helps us sometimes to do something physical. And I'll pray for you. You can stay in your seat where you are, but I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet and say, yes, God, I'll make my move towards you. I thank you for dying for me. I thank you that while I was still a sinner, Christ died on the cross for me. And I'll pray a prayer with you that stand. My friend, God has loved you and loves you and will love you with an everlasting love. But for someone here, it's your move. It's time to say yes. It's time to repent. It's time to come home. And so on the count of three, I'm going to ask you, if you know you need to make a move towards God, you need to accept His love and grace, I'm going to ask you to stand. Prepare your heart across this room today. If you know you need to make a move, on the count of three, stand to your feet. One, two, three. Let's stand. Great. 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 Well done. Any others? I'm not going to draw this out. Such a powerful thing you're doing, saying yes to Jesus. Maybe for some of you, this is the first time you've ever done anything like this. This is so significant for you. Maybe for some of you, you've done something like this before, but you know you need to come back to God. You've been a long way from God. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. And this is for those that are standing around the room. But if you're already a Christian, I wanted to help those that are standing. If you would pray this prayer out loud with me. But if you're standing, this is for you. You need to pray this and mean this. Here's the prayer. Here we go. Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for taking my sin and my shame. I'm sorry for all the wrong things I've done. Please forgive me. Please make me clean from the inside out. Give me a new start. Come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to start following you. Lord, I make my move today. I turn towards you. And I thank you for making your move to me. Thank you, God. Amen. You know, I wonder if you could stay standing where you are just for a moment. I'm going to pray for you. And as I pray, someone on, on our response team is just going to come and put a little pack in your hand. And it's got some next steps for you. And a member of our team will try and connect with you at the end of the service. Father, I thank you for those that have said yes to you today, those that have stood, those that have responded. And we pray for them. If you're a Christian, you know how to pray. Join with me. We pray, Lord, this will be such a significant moment in their lives, Lord, that they would go on in you from strength to strength. In Jesus' precious name.
Amen. Amen.